Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show episode 19. UFC 246 happened. And you know what? We came, we saw, we conquered. Everybody on the MMA for Money team that gave you guys free bets, free picks, it was a perfect night. We walked away huge. The bet that me and Mike gave you, the two bets we gave you, both won for plus 2.5. MMA Gangster killed it with his props. He had... Olenek by sub for plus 1.8 and Modafari Barber goes to Jeanette plus 2.3 giving you guys plus 6.6 units completely free. Boom. Completely free. You didn't pay us anything for those. We gave them to you because we want to make you guys money. We want to make us money. We want to make you guys money. Now, the person you heard boom is my co-host right over there. That is Mike Copenhaver. Mike, say hi to the peoples. Hey guys. How you guys all doing? And before I get too far with it, since I have a tendency to forget that, I am at MMA State of Mind. My name is Bob Boss. Mike Copen here, as I said, he's at Don't Cope, Just Win. We are the heads here on the MMA for Money Show podcast, where you can catch us on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere you can find podcasts, we're there. Please rate, review, subscribe to us on any one of those mediums that is your particular favorite. Whatever tickles your fancy, follow us there. We will make it worth it. I promise now as you know how these shows go we're gonna give a review of ufc 246 that happened just last weekend but we did so well on normally we do some news and announcements not too many have come up so we might move just past that we're gonna do a brief quick picks for the bellator this weekend with the debut of cyborg and then we're gonna get into ufc on espn plus 24 blades versus Santos rally that's the last time you'll ever hear me say that i was going to try to do that to be a little bit more professional but you know what we're going to do what we've been doing and just do the ufc and the city that it's in because i'm just saving syllables here and we're gonna go over a preview of that give you guys a actually a parlay on that one that me and mike are fairly high on it's pretty safe and then we'll let you guys go for the weekend but you know what we're just gonna get right into ufc 246 review we're gonna start with the upset the big upset the train that got derailed, but the fight that we called Macy Barber lost to Roxanne Modafari, who at the time of we recorded our podcast was a plus 600 underdog. And by decision was plus 1100. If you remember us talking about those Macy Barber, according to her tore her ACL 10 seconds into the fight um, and just couldn't handle what Roxanne was throwing down. According to Roxanne, it was likely more in the second round when she saw her step awkwardly in her knee buckle, whichever way you want to go with that doesn't really matter because Roxy won Matafari won. My only sad moment was <laughs> in actually betting this fight, and it hurts so bad. Poor so Bob, bad. dude. Bob was busy. Talk, Bob was so busy betting. with his family. Uh, I talked about betting on it in our end of the year show on bets I was looking forward to. I talked about 
betting her straight would be such a good play. I talked about betting her by decision would be even better play because that's likely the way she's going to win. And I had every intention to. And then you know what? Sometimes schedules get in the way of doing the hard hitting research. But you know, we still give you guys winners. And if you followed our leanings, you made a lot of money on this fight. So. Um, I still think Macy Barber is going to be a force in this division. She's still so young, man. She's so young that she has a chance to come back and really make a name for herself and just blow up in this division. Kudos to Roxanne Matafari for getting another big upset win over an up-and-coming name. And here's hoping she actually gets a little bit of payment for it. Mike, how would you feel about this fight? And where do you see Barber and Roxanne going from here? Oh, well, man, I, I, the whole fight, obviously, I was thinking about you and I's conversation about how this fight was going to play out. We certainly weren't one of those suckers who put, uh, Macy Barber in a parlay or put her in anything in our bed slips. We would never trust, uh, an overhyped, uh, young girl like that in the sense of she's fighting a veteran. Like Bob was the first one to call this. I'm not going to take, um, the credit for, uh, like steering us towards this. This was mostly an all Bob. He uh, he presented it to uh, to me, and then once I I heard that how much faith he had in Roxanne, and the fact that um, big upsets are the things that do happen, and I just I was just like, wow, uh, I think it's re- it's really could happen. And then we decided that uh, if it was, she was going to win, she would most likely win going to decision. That was that's just like she wasn't she was not going to pull off some crazy submission or anything or knock her unconscious. So it's just crazy that you and I were one of the only people who would have bet on her or did and then or and called her, especially for her to win by decision. And so I hope that some of you guys listened to us and made some money because I know we made a lot of people happy. Well, again, kudos to the happy warrior. Um, we'll forever be a friend of this podcast and uh, we'll keep our eyes open for any time. She's going to go into another hype job. Who doesn't quite have the all-around skills yet to build to beat someone that has been in the game that long? Now that was my gloating because I called this one in a major way. But you know what? Want know who else we need to throw it to? We need to throw it to Mike because in the very next fight, Anthony Pettis fought and lost to Carlos Diego Ferreira and by sub. All the things Mike called uh, it was part of his parlay. Uh, that he gave out. Mike, feel free to glow on CDF's amazing jujitsu. Well, man, uh, like we, you guys got the pleasure of Bob and I's, uh, how we break down fights and getting into our minds and how we analyze things. I, I told you, you know, there's a, there's different levels of jujitsu in this game. There's obviously black belts and then there's, there's first degree, secondary, third degree. And then there's people who just get gifted black belts because they're cute or they, you know, paid a lot of money at their gym. But Carlos Diego Ferreira is not one of those guys. His jiu-jitsu, like I told you guys on the podcast, his top control, his his transitioning, everything is so butter smooth. The only thing that I was really, really pissed off about was in the first round, he had uh, Anthony Pettis' back. He did not secure the position with the body triangle, which is just totally off cue for a black belt. I know that, uh, you know, you, you can still have other options by not, but there's, it's, it's definitely, he could have easily, I, in my opinion, got him in that body triangle and then secured him and just put him to sleep. But I, I just, I really truly believe they didn't want that to end in round one. So, or, uh, it was round two, right? He got sub. Was it one? 
Uh, I believe it was two. I will double okay. check. So it was two. And so um, I was just pissed that it happened around one and then it came in round two. So it made me really happy. And I just love making you guys money out there. And I just hope that you guys tune in and take Bob and I serious because we really take the time out of our professional schedules. Bob runs a professional company for his family and he works really hard waking up early, early in the morning. 4 a.m. is uh, he's already up and running for real and literally. And I'm up at 4.30, ready to go to Hollywood to start building stuff for the studio. So we do all these things and we spend our time to break down things for you guys. And just in the hopes that we could give you a better edge on your bets. Oh, absolutely. And yes, that was round two, about halfway through. And I just remember, I just, while watching this fight, as it unfolded, because we were both very high on Diego Ferreira, you were high on Diego Ferreira for all the right reasons that, how talented he is and everything like that. And as I, I forewarned on the preview podcast, most of my huge up for Diego Ferreira was my complete down on Anthony Pettis. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They both interceded and it ended up being right on both sides um actually that reminds me i'm sorry we skipped a little bit of head the first fight we were supposed to go over was our first bet that won that night and half of that parlay that cashed for mike asker askarov beat one-time title challenger tim elliott by unanimous decision and nearly had the finish in the first round he landed some heavy shots I'm surprised it wasn't called. It got a little bit closer as the fight progressed. As you can tell, Asker Askarov was starting to slow somewhat, and Elliot was just doing his shaking his head, trying to wave Askarov towards him, <laughs> and then throwing one or two strikes, and then doing the same thing, trying to make it seem that Askarov wasn't doing anything, even though sheer output he was clearly beating uh, Elliot. Was a little bit nervous for the scorecards because sometimes the type of antics that Elliot does can kind of sway judges. But I thought it was a very, very clear win for Askar Askarov. And that was our first bet of the night that won you guys one unit. He was minus 135 against Tim Elliott. And then going back, the parlay that we scored for you guys, which was Mike's bet, started with Askar Askarov and finished with Carlos Diego Ferreira submitting Anthony Pettis, which gave us a perfect night even at that point, just from the podcast. So, Mike, if you have anything to say about Askar Askarov versus Tim Elliott, I know I'm kind of going a little bit backwards here, but any additional thoughts there? Yeah, the the fight was really exciting, especially that first round. I, I couldn't believe that Tim Elliott uh, took that stri- those strikes, and he was literally standing there unconscious. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've seen a fighter uh, lose consciousness standing and then come back to it. But it was just incredible that uh, that he could do that. So mad props to Elliot for being the warrior that he is. But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, output numbers wise and volume, like we talked about, was winning on the scorecards and not to mention the power. It, it, it doesn't even matter if it was a jab or his power punch. Askar Askarov has some heavy hands for being a small guy. And so it was it was impressive. I'm happy he got the win. But certainly when the judges uh, read the scorecards, I was shitting bricks. Well, and this is a perfect example of how me and Mike have talked about how much we like volume strikers because all other things being equal, they're winning the fight. I, I'm sorry. They just are. Um, obviously, sometimes the judges kind of screw you every once in a while. But in general, give me a pressure fighter who can constantly throw an outland. I'm going to go with them most every time. Now, we're going to briefly touch not even break it down and you'll understand why in a second the next fight that was on this well, was on this fight card uh, Alyssa Grasso was supposed to fight 
Claudia Gadea, but then Fat she missed weight by six pounds, six pounds over the limit, I believe, or at least six pounds over the agreed upon weight. I hope <laughs> I, the only reason I'm upset is they may remake, remake this fight. I actually hope they do because I was debating betting uh, Claudia Gadea. And then now if they do it, I would for sure better. The only downside is typically when something like this happens and someone misses weight by that bad, the odds in the rematch reflect it. So like the odds were Alexa Grasso was minus 115 versus Claudia Gadea minus 105. If they, it's not even a rematch, but if they reschedule this fight, guaranteed Claudia Gadea is going to open at, at least a minus 30, minus 45, something like that favorite for whatever reason, because it got canceled because of one side, it flip-flops the other side just because of, I don't know, they are gauging interest of people going in. So I just wanted to briefly go over that and, I'm sorry, that kind of weight, that kind of weight miss just completely throws me for a loop because that, that that wasn't even close. Um, do you have anything to say about that awful weight cut hopes for them rebooking or should we move on to the boa constrictor? Yeah, other than the, the rude comments that I made uh, while you were talking, I obviously did that on, <laughs> I obviously did that on purpose uh, for you fans. I, I don't mean to over uh, to talk over Bob. It's just I'm just crazy. So I wanted to do it. Um, she, it's unprofessional. It's disgusting as a pro fighter for you to do that. The only reason she, she did that, she was scared to me. I, I really thought she was going to get submitted by Claudia. Um, but you and I both were high on Claudia. So uh, that was that. And it just sucked to not have another bout for the fights. Now, I actually do have to give some credit in the next fight. And that's who you think I'm going to give credit for. Well, let's just quick go with this way. Uh, Alexi Olenek, the now 62 fight. Pro fight veteran uh, fought Morris Green. He actually got the submission there. But actually, who I'm impressed with um, is Morris Green. I knew the submission was going to happen for Alexi Olenek, but I did it in a little bit more of a simplistic way. Is It's Olenek versus a non-elite heavyweight. And I mean elite like top five, six, seven, somewhere in there. When he fights those guys, he submits them. He just does. He finds a way. He gets there. He does it. Maurice Green throwing up a, a triangle from bottom, escaping the choke in the first round. I I was shocked. I, I'm very impressed with Maurice Green going forward. And actually, I view him higher in this in his future than if he just would have gotten a quick knockout and beaten Olenek. But you know what? Kudos to Olenek. He's the man. And because of his submission win, uh, MMA gangster, who also gives out free plays for you guys at MMAforMoney.com in his props article had uh, Alexi Olenek by sub at plus 180. So he won you guys another 1.8 units. Mike, you got anything going on for Alex Alexi Olenek versus Maurice the Crochet Boy, if I got that right? Yeah, it, it just pretty much turned out exactly how uh, you and I said. Super unpredictable in the sense of we didn't want to bet it or have any sense of the part of it because heavyweight fights are, are really weird and hard to judge. Uh, I I liked Green for his striking, and I favored him more, and you favored Olenek, uh in that sense. So you won the fight, and when we we had not a disagreement, but we when we talked, I I definitely thought Green had the higher ceiling, and he definitely showed that, like you saw. He's not just some striker. He definitely is someone trying to do something. And it was, it was, it made the fight really exciting because 
uh, Olenek was not wanting any part of that on the feet. Like I said, I knew that he was not going to want to be hit by green. And once he felt it, it, it was going to be a mad dash to the ground. And I'm, I just, I'm surprised that, uh, the green couldn't get him out of there before he got him down, but it was still a great fight for the two heavyweights. I mean, we've seen some heavyweight fights that are so terrible that we boo them all the way, you know? So Olenek's super impressive, man. I can't, it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how good the old man is. And uh, I just, it's, I just can't say enough good things about that old man, man. Sorry. The Morris Green is the crochet boss. I don't know. I thought it was boy, um, but he has some major upside. It's like, like I said, like you said, it's, and he's only 33. That's super young for a heavyweight. He's six, seven, eight, two inch reach, 243 pounds. I mean, like he has a good chance to be fairly good like I'm, I'm i'm impressed and honestly the only reason that olenek is doing a lot is i mean he's older i mean i think i'm pretty sure he's his career has spanned like three weight classes i'm pretty sure he sounded at middleweight way back in the day and now he's just slowly progressed up to heavyweight because his he's so much better on the ground than most any heavyweight he would ever fight except maybe like verdum that he has just an extreme advantage and if it gets there he's gonna get you um there's one fight we didn't preview, but we could just review a little bit, I suppose, because it got bumped up to the main, uh, the main card after uh, Alexa, Alexis, Alexa Grasso and Gadea got removed. Brian Kelleher got a much-needed submission win. He got a guillotine choke over Ode Osborne, or O'Day Osborne. Sorry. The only reason I want to bring up this fight is the fact that he had such a tight squeeze and submission that O'Day had to tap with his foot hitting against the back of Brian Kelleher's leg. And I just thought that was beautiful. Mike, you got anything to say about that ridiculous submission or happy for Brian Kelleher that he finally got a win on the last fight of his contract? Um, I hate him, dude. I, I'm so pissed. Uh, and the reason why I'm pissed is I rarely go and do a degenerate parlay, which means I, I rarely go over two fighters if I'm going to do a parlay because it's just so hard to cash one or two. Well, one second, Mike, just a quick pause. Just a quick explain. Uh, a degenerate parlay is a parlay of a lot of big favorites, usually three to five, if not more fighters are involved. For those of you who don't know what that is. So I, uh, I've, I fucking believed in Asker Askarov, Carlos Diego Ferreira, Yosik, Yodik Yusuf. And then I, I, I somehow got so greedy that I had to throw in little Ute, Ude, whatever you want to say. I don't even want to comprende. I don't like the guy, dude. I hate him now. I hate both of them. They've ruined me, dude. I, I, I threw out a one unit parlay that was going to be, was going to be 700, seven units back. I never do something so stupid like this. And I, I was so close, dude. All three of them won. And then that stupid cheese ball little prick did that to me, dude. And it was, it's just, I, we had the best night for MMA for money. I still had the best night. I, it's crazy how you could win so many units and then still be such a greedy piece of shit where one unit haunts me. One unit. It's not like I won. I had seven or eight that I was going to win. It was just one, but it's seven that I felt like I had in my hand and I got robbed, bro. I just, yeah, but that's it. And, and stuff like that happens. Like even like even previously when we we're talking about on this card, me talking all that glorious things about Roxanne Matafari, but never actually placing the bet. It's like that money was as good as mine. But if you don't make the bet, you don't win it. Or if you make too big of a parlay, one of them drops, and 
that's the tricky part with parlays, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But moving on. So Holly Holm, who Mike was super high on, and I wasn't down on her. I just think at some point she is going to show up old, but apparently that's not yet. She's still too far ahead of everybody with everything. Mike was glowing on her striking. Holly Holm had a clear decision win over Raquel Pennington and maintains her the top five status, I suppose you can say. Mike, uh, could you go into this? performance how'd you feel about it it was like a, l- a little bit more clinch heavy than i would have liked to have seen but dominant win for holly home yeah i mean i love holly home so a win's a win i think you that the fans forget that their job is to go in there and to get a win and that's it you know like they, it's any means necessary holly home just came off getting knocked out by nunez you could tell she definitely was a little bit more shy striking than she normally was and she didn't want to take um, big strikes. So I was a little disappointed in that sense, but Holly Holmes, Holly Holm, she's a beautiful person and soul, and so I'm just happy that she got a win, that she's still in the UFC and going to be pushing her name. And then if you saw those photo shoot pictures today, I mean, she does a body good. Now that was the co-main event to, I'm not going to say a lackluster card because it was actually fairly entertaining, but in terms of name value, really this was a one-fight card. And that fight did not disappoint. Conor McGregor straight annihilated, mauled, destroyed, disintegrated. I'm going to go with disintegrated. That's going to be my favorite one so far. He disintegrated Cowboy Cerrone. And I'm not going to say that he invented the like the shoulder striker over that because he didn't. But I've never seen it used that effective. He broke the nose with just two shots of it. I think the breakdown I heard is he broke the nose with two shoulder shots to the nose. He bruised the orbital with that flying knee that he threw and then put him out with about two more shots. It was a 41-second fight, and I don't think I've ever seen a 41-second fight that ends with the finish where I could honestly say I think the ref gave Donald Cerrone every opportunity to fight back. It was a super clean stoppage, very warranted, and oh my goodness, was that an insane fight. The, my only regret was the interview that we both saw that we had talked about on the last show of putting some money down on rounds one and two. So honestly, here's hoping you listened to us and didn't look for us on Twitter later. And she went with that because then you made even more money. But we got scared off because he he made it seem like he wanted to get some rounds in to ease back into it. And that scared us off enough because honestly, sometimes those interviews are a nice way to lean into how a fighter's thinking on fight week. But apparently he saw too good of an opportunity and took it. So kudos to anyone that had uh, the round one, round two for Conor McGregor. As we said, if you were going to bet him, that's the way to bet him. And man, he looked good. What do you see for him next, and how do you feel about that performance? I mean, the performance is hard to judge. I I, I knew that he was going to destroy uh, Cowboy. Me, uh, Bob and I told you it was he was going to destroy him in the first round or the second round. There was no winning for Donald Cerrone. It wasn't happening. UFC wasn't letting it happen. There's nothing for Donald Cerrone like there is for Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor now can go back to being their little golden boy, pony child, whatever you want to call him, and have a Khabib rematch, which he doesn't deserve, which they're going to let him have anyways, most likely, because it generates numbers. And uh, Or it could be game-bred Masvidal for the BMF title, which would be huge in itself, and I would be jazzed. So there's tons of options now, and we're going to have all kinds of exciting things. I guess the UFC is better when Connor's in there because it's kind of like Tiger Woods when he's winning in the, the in PGA. 
it's just way better to watch. So I'm happy that Connor's back. I'm happy that he won and he did act more gracious and, and more uh, professional and definitely more like a mixed martial artist and a, and a father should. And so I, it was, it was cool in that sense, but we saw nothing of Connor's uh, abilities to go into round three, four and five with an extra gas tank. We saw, we didn't see him face adversity of any kind. So not like it's just all smoke and mirrors and jibber jabber. I can't wait till they match up with Khabib again and Khabib just slam down the ground, whoop his ass. And you and I will all get money. Hopefully it's a better line. After just this one fight, I'm not sure it'd be a better line uh, for sure. If he has another one in between and it's an impressive performance, it doesn't even have to be this impressive, just like another finish. Like if you would fight another top name and get a finish, whether it be just engagey or whoever, then if he fights, um, Khabib after that, for sure, it would be a closer to even uh, odds number. And then if Khabib makes it through Tony, which everyone keeps forgetting to talk about Tony, and I'm starting to lean Tony in that fight, just because I just think these year, like I think that fight could end with a cut stoppage because you got five rounds of even if Khabib is on top, he's getting elbows. But before we get into that, because that, that fight's way down the line, we're going to move on. Uh, One quick thing is they had said that, or I think it was Dana White quote said that the pay-per-views are trending to be over 2 million, which is awesome. And that would be the highest ever since they've been on the ESPN plus pay-per-view platform. Uh, I'd be curious to find out what that means because as far as I understand it, the way the ESPN pays out is for every pay-per-view the UFC is paid as if it does 500,000. So what's the incentive of it being a higher grossing pay-per-view? How do pay-per-view points work given the fact that it's not in the typical manner and the numbers were kind of on a downtrend considering it was just on ESPN plus. I'd just be curious on how all those factors work in. I do see the, since it's through ESPN plus and they don't have to split any of it with the cable providers, they get a bigger percentage as is. So technically I would think that UFC even if this is just $2 million and the Khabib one, it was more than that. I think it was like 2.4. Technically more buys. I would think that the UFC makes more with just the $2 million on ESPN Plus since they get a bigger percentage. But I, I don't know. That's getting a little bit too into the woods. So we're going to move on. Just briefly, we're going to go through Bellator because there is a Bellator this weekend. Before we get into uh, the upcoming UFC rally card, the difference is we're just going to do quick picks because we have no bets on it. Um, We're going to start with all the ones that have lines, okay? So Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis, his little brother, is making his Bellator debut, and you know what? They're setting him up real nice. He's fighting Alfred Kashakian, and honestly, this is... Who? Exactly. This is a complete setup fight for the new pseudo name that Bellator has gotten as they try to bolster their lower weights with names. I think Pettis is going to blow him out unless he takes it takes it easy being his first fight in there to get the win, but I think he's going to go for broke and get a finish at some point. Mike, do you like Sergio Pettis or Alfred Kashakian? Uh, Alfred Kashakian's got the worst name ever. His first name's terrible and his last name's even worse. So I definitely like Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis is super well-rounded. He's been in there with some of the best in the UFC, and he, I, I actually like him more than Anthony. So I think that Sergio Sergio will go in there and handle him like a professional and uh, take care of business, most likely even get a stoppage. Juan Archuleta is fighting Henry Corrales. Juan Archuleta is minus 260 favorite. Juan Archuleta is training at the same 
California-based camp as TJ Dillashaw. It's one of his main training partners. As of when he's fighting, the camp is completely around him. So he's got quite the look right now. Going against Henry Corrales. Juan Ancelotti is minus 260 favorite. Henry Corrales plus 200 underdog not gonna surprise anybody uh me and mike have both been high on juan archuleta and you know what i'm picking him here mike you juan archuleta henry corrales oh juan archuleta all day uh, i believe that juan archuleta is gonna go in there and I, I think i think he's gonna actually take care of business and uh finish henry corrales i have that much faith in juan archuleta he is seriously super super aggressive uh standing his uh wrestling is the top-notch wrestling that I love in the MMA fighter. And I, I just love the heart in this kid. And he's just, he, I mean, he's amazing. He's, he's just, the only loss recently was Patricio Pitbull. I mean, and it was a unanimous decision. So he didn't get knocked out, didn't get submitted by one of the best ever. So I, I you just can't say anything bad about this guy because before that he beat up Don, Eduardo Dantas, Ricky Bandeas, and, you know, a few others. But mostly uh, Juan Archuleta has a super, super high ceiling. And I absolutely love the kid. I expect him to win this fight easily. In the co-main event of this Bellator 238, Darian Caldwell, former champ, is fighting Adam Borix. Darian Caldwell, minus 105 versus Adam Borix, minus 125. Now, here is a fight that I was leaning to as a bet. Um, on the Borks side when I thought the Caldwell name would have had him being the favorite. Um, he opened only at minus 110. He's minus 105 now. And Adam Borks actually opened at minus 130, which kind of surprises me. And he's at minus 125. I thought I might have been able to get Borks at dog money, but that did not happen. And I am staying away from it. But the pick is Borks. Mike, how do you feel about this co-main event? Well, if everyone's known me and, and listened to me, I've, I love wrestling. And I usually always pick the wrestler. I've also picked Darren Caldwell to win many, many times in his career because of his superior wrestling but I've gotten sick and tired of his lay and pray wrestling. He has no transition jujitsu abilities. He's, he's pretty, pretty garbage on top. I have no faith in him standing. Absolutely no faith. He throws the weakest, softest pillow hands that are just terrible. So I, I, I can't trust him at all. And if I had to pick one, I would pick Adam Borex because he's more well-rounded and a better mixed martial artist. In the main event of Bellator 238, Christina Cyborg, sorry, Christine Cyborg Santos. I'm combining a bunch of stuff, sorry. Justine, there's, uh, she used to be Santos, now she's Justino. I'm going to stick with Cyborg because I don't mess that up. She's a minus 410 favorite over current Bellator champion, Julia Budd, at plus 330. The only reason this is interesting to me, this is the first time in a very long time that Cyborg is actually fighting a true tested featherweight as opposed to when she fought Megan Anderson who may have be a featherweight but is untested um I think this will be closer than many think I think it might it will actually get out of the first round um but I do see Cyborg winning obviously there's no good amount of money for bets anywhere given her sheer size of favorite I don't even want to get into the props with it and as of right now there are no props because Bellator Mike what's your pick for the Bellator main event well, I'd have to go with uh, Miss Cyborg. I just think she's got more experience and has been in this game for a little bit longer at the upper echelon of the sport. Uh, I, but I, I think Julia Budd can 
could possibly sneak in a, a tricky strike and combos which could rock uh, Cyborg. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is a lock at all, but I think that Justine Cyborg should she should win this. Now that was it for Bellator, and obviously we just did picks because there's no odds speak to either of us and we're going to move on to the ufc occasionally there will be bets on bellator fights just not these bellator fights we're going to talk about ufc rally cutting out all the middle words of whether it's plus what number that is who's fighting we'll get to that in a little bit but it's in rally so first off the first one we're going to talk about is jamal hill is a minus 135 favorite Versus enemy of this podcast, Darko Stasek, who is plus 115, who has cost us money and has looked even worse since costing us money. And I'm actually really high on Jamal Hill as a possible light heavyweight prospect. And if his number was a little bit lower, I would definitely bet it. But what's scaring me away is he has minus 135 and relatively unproven, even though Darko is not a good measuring stick for the division. He should still beat him, but it being his full-blown UFC debut, he has a win in the contender series. I'm going to hold off because even if he was on the plus 115, if the odds were flipped, I probably would have a unit down on Hill, but I'm staying away from it from now, and I might regret that later, but you know what? I look forward to it. I do think Hill is likely going to put Darko Stasic away, so that's a pick for me, not a bet. Mike, how do you feel about Jamal Hill versus our nemesis? Um, I, I like Jamal Hill. I think Jamal Hill's got better jujitsu. I believe he's a jujitsu brown belt, if not black. And Darko Stasek has nothing <clears throat> of the sort. Darko Stasek has three minutes in bed for the best girl at best. He's got three minutes in the UFC to throw big bombs and then gas his arms so fat and swollen and that he can't swing anymore. And that's what he does. He just stands there and just pretends to throw a bomb every once in a while. And then he has no ground game for you to rely on. So it's just, it's garbage. So I like Jamal Hill. Uh, I hope that Jamal Hill can get him in a submission and end the fight. So I, that's what I hope. If you can't tell, there's no love loss between us and Darko Stasek. So here's hoping he gets his third loss, unless the other is going to keep him around to get guys wins and he'll get booted. And coming to an, a KSW show near you. Um, next, uh, Hannah Cyphers is a plus 140 underdog versus mainstay since tough Angela Hill, minus 160 with her little mini Twitter sensation and loyal following. I talked about Mike with this a little bit before we recorded, trying to flesh out some ideas. And... I like Hannah Cyphers for one particular reason, because I think Angela Hill is the better striker, all-around better MMA fighter. I do think Anna, Hannah Cyphers can do one thing that has proven to be difficult for Angela Hill. I think Anna, Hannah Cyphers can just straight pin her up against the cage with the occasional dirty boxing and win a very, very boring decision. I've been leaning towards Cyphers a little bit, but just since that's her only path to victory, in my opinion, just a straight muscle Angela Hill. I don't want to bet it because that's because even in the clinch being held against the fence, Angela Hill can still throw some strikes. So that's what's keeping me away from it. But as a pick, I would pick Hannah Cyphers for a very, very boring decision. Mike, how do you feel about the lone female fight on this main card? Yeah, like you said, um, Hannah Cyphers is a little bit more talented than people are thinking, but 
Hill does have better striking, and that's the only thing that worries me. But I believe that Hannah Cyphers is strong enough to keep to do kind of a Holly Holm versus Pennington type of deal like this weekend and uh, push her up against the cage and uh, woman handler, whoever you want to be, however it's said now for them. And uh, I uh, think that Cyphers could pull out a sneaky little decision win. So if you were planning on fading Hill, I would for sure put down a bet on Cyphers for a decision win. Now, a guy I know that Mike is particularly high on is Jordan Espinoza, or at least likes very particular aspects of his game. He is a plus 235 underdog to Alex Perez, who's minus 275, who many have been high on until he was humbled by Joseph Benavidez, although you can't take too much from that because now Benavidez is fighting for the title. Um, There's still a lot of people high on Perez. I don't think he should be this big of a favorite. I don't. Um, I would side with him, so I guess I would pick Alex Perez, but that number is way too steep in my opinion. Mike, how do you feel about your boy's chances? I actually like his chances a lot. I, I know for sure that Jordan Espinoza is the better wrestler, and uh, I, I believe that. Um, I really also believe he's the better striker. I believe he's got better defense, and he's more diverse. I just... I, I don't know if he can last all three and do the things that I said, but I I think that Jordan Espinoza can pull off this win. In the co-main event, here we are to some legit fights. Um, don't take that the wrong way. This is actually not going to be a boring fight card. It actually is going to be on the more exciting side, but in terms of name value and guys you can trust on with your money and be confident, it doesn't really start happening until later on on the card. And here we are. And the co-main event, Rafael Dos Anjos is minus 265 favorite, rightfully so in my opinion, versus Michael Chiesa, who was the bane of my existence on the Tough Live season. He is a plus 225 underdog yes this is a welterweight fight for two former lightweights although rda has now been at welterweight for a few years now and has completely filled out accordingly uh rafael Anjos is the superior striker the more varied striker he has the better black belt degree with the better lineage he's a little bit older um he's less dirty doesn't have a gross beard all things are falling RDA here, guys. Um, uh, I like RDA in a big way. At absolute worst, I think he wins a clear decision. And I think it's a fairly safe play. And this is the start of a consensus parlay that we have going on. Uh, RDA being the first leg. Mike, obviously I spilled the beans a little bit on your side on this fight. But do you have anything else to say about RDA versus Michael, the dirty homeless man, Chiesa? Yeah, this is actually a good little lesson for the fans on how I, w- I would look at a fight. Instantly, I would look up the Wikipedia for both these uh, big-name fighters, and uh, usually, even there, they'll have some jiu-jitsu credentials. And right off the bat, uh, Michael Chiesa isn't a black belt, not even close. He's only a purple belt, and at best, if that hasn't been updated, he is a brown which because it takes so many years just to transition, which I still believe he's only a purple so uh, right away, we have Michael Chiesa as only a purple, brown at best. And then now we have RDA, who is a third degree black belt in jiu-jitsu under one of the best uh, jiu-jitsu coaches in the world. And then after that, we go to striking, RDA, some of the best kicks that you could ever, ever ask for and aggression coming forward. 
He's also a southpaw. Southpaws are trouble for most people. Uh, So everything is pointing towards RDA whooping the absolute shit out of Michael Chiesa. Chiesa can go cry to his mommy and hug her and and cry in her arms because RDA is most likely going to finish him and knock him out cold. And that's really, truly what I believe. Or submit him because he is that much superior on the ground. He's superior every single where, and I don't think this fight even goes to the distance. So this is definitely the start of our parlay, and we're putting down some, uh, what is it, one unit? one of 1.05 units, and this is the start of the parlay. Now to close off said parlay, in the main event of UFC Raleigh is Curtis Razorblades, still, I'm sorry, the best name-nickname combo that you could pretty much come up with, going against Junior Dos Santos, the one-time champion, the multiple-time challenger, the old bastion of elite heavyweight. They're clashing, and we are high on Curtis Blades, man. He is a young, young heavyweight with skills well beyond his years, He's only lost into uh, Francis Ngannou. Yes, he got finished both times. The first time, a little BSE in my opinion. It was a doctor established from a swollen eye. He was taking the shots, though. Uh, the second time around, he actually got put out. But it's only his second time ever being put out. He is currently at 12-2. 12, 12 uh, he's the number four in the division. He has records for basically every type of takedown comparable you can think of and i'm not just saying this because he was born right down the road from my house i'm not saying this just because he's from my local home city i'm not just saying this because he went to the same college as me for a little bit all those things are great i could put that all aside he's at a great team he's at elevation fight team he is one of the very very few fighters that Dwayne Bang Lugwig actually still trains and participates in his training. And even more so than uh, TJ Dillashaw right now, one, because he's on suspension, and two, he's living out in California, whereas Curtis Blades has chosen to live there and train there all the time. He also has great training partners. He has recently started training with Alistair Overeem consistently, because after Alistair Overeem, after he beat Alistair Overeem, Alistair Overeem started going to Elevation Fight Team and has become a close training partner. And one of the best people to train for when you're going to fight Junior Dos Santos, Alistair Overeem. Um, obviously, JDS has some power. It's not Ninganu power. I don't know who has Ninganu power other than Ninganu, but you know what? JDS does not. JDS is slower than he has ever been. He's still a decent boxer, although it's a one to two shot boxer. He's not a layered boxer. He does not throw combinations. Uh, this is hard for me. I'm a longtime Junior Santos fan, but I think he's going to get hurt here. I think it's going to be more shots coming out of uh, blades. And you know what? I'm sorry. It's a five round fight. It might be boring for the first two rounds because Curtis Blades is going to set everything up. He's going to beat him. He's going to tire him. He's going to take him down. He's going to cut him up. He's going to throw down elbows and some vicious ground and pound. Curtis Blades ground and pound is getting hellacious. And JDS has taken a severe amount of damage over the last couple of years, dating back to the very, to the second cane fight. I don't know how much more he can handle, let alone uh, his, the Alexander Volkov fight that he was recently supposed to have got called off just a few months ago from a horrible leg infection. So here, who knows if he's even back from that. So um, 
Curtis Blades, yes, I'm spilling the beans again, but you know, there's only this is the last fight we're talking about. Is the other side of that parlay? It is the minus 265 of RDA and the minus 240 of Curtis Blades together for minus 105, and that's to win one unit. So our bet is Curtis Blades and RDA at minus 105 to win one unit. Yes, it's a square bet. Yes, there's nothing fancy about it, but you know what? It's two guys that are safe, consistent fighters who will fight for your money. They're guys that you can trust more often than not, more so than you can for most fighters who are willing to just take it to the chin and bow down. So, Mike, before I completely give any any and all information about this fight, <laughs> um, what do you got to say about the second part of our parlay there, Curtis Blades? Well, Curtis Blades is obviously much younger than JDS, and JDS has just taken so much damage over the years. Just recently knocked out, and we we don't know what shape he's in. And the and you just said he had a leg infection. We don't know if he was how long it took for him to get done with that and start training. And then he still got some ring rust. And in a division where you know one hit behind the head could end it, or it's a five round fight, and it, it, his gas tank might not last that long. So I really believe that Curtis Blades has the ceiling here. His elbows down on the ground are vicious. And I really, truly see him getting down Junior Dos Santos and landing some vicious elbows that end up cutting him up and blooding him up so badly. And yet, like Bob said, it might not be in the first or the second. I hope it is. But it could be down the line when Junior Dos Santos is a little more gassed. But I, I Blades got more cardio, better wrestling, and Junior Dos Santos is really no threat on the ground at all. I know usually when there's a black belt, I'm, I'm, a, I'm super high on him. But JDS is one of them. I'm not. He submitted one person in his entire career, and it's not good jujitsu. It's just whatever he's got. So I think that Blades can not only land a big shot, but I think he's going to take him down and land a bunch of big shots. So we're ending our closing our parlay with Blades, and we're going to win you guys this money. Being safe is better than being sorry. And sometimes when you just don't feel like there's a big edge on a card, you don't fire or you fire safely. So we want to teach you guys how it's done. Well, and that is the appropriate way to put that. I mean, you don't want to force plays. We've talked about that before. When you force plays, bad things happen. I mean, you put, you might and win in the short term, but in the long term, you go in for every little fight you have a tingle about, you're going to end up losing money. So, you know what? We want to keep winning you guys money, so we're going to play it safe here. I know normally I say we have a minimum of two bets per card, but on a card like this, it seems super trappy with some of the fights and this is just seems like the safest and best bet to put forward towards you guys. You might see other people putting this one out because it is that straightforward, but you know what? Everything put together, we're going to end up making you more money in the future. So thank you for listening to us again, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you can. We are consistently putting out shows for you guys. And if you don't want these full long breakdowns, obviously you you love our voices. Obviously you think we're hilarious. Obviously you think we're geniuses, but if you just want to check into like a little bit, a little snippet, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, We get a good job going of individual fights getting snipped out. So they're just little one, two, three, four, five minute videos, however long we actually spent on it on the podcast. If you want to go with that and please like and share those and we'll try to keep putting those out because you guys seem to like those. So let's keep following us. Mike, anything to say to the people? 
Yeah, I can't thank you guys all enough for listening to Bob and I and believing in us. And I promise you that we take this shit serious. We're not just some guys who throw money around. We really want to win you guys money and we take our time to make sure that happens. And another thing, uh, I work for the studios and uh, one of our shows is coming out uh, on Thursday. It will be called Outmatched and it will be on Fox 11. So if you could support that show, it's a new pilot. Jason Biggs will be in it and it's going to be hilarious. Well, and I'm a big fan of Jason Biggs. I think he's hilarious in just about anything he's in. I loved him in Loser. I loved him in the American Pie movies. I loved him in uh, whatever that movie he was in with Dane Cook. Can't remember the name of it right now. Either way, he's hilarious in just about anything I've seen him in. So I can't wait to check that out. If you guys would, please check out Mike's show. It would do wonders. And going into this weekend and going into the future, it's about that time. Let's roll. Let's roll.